0: My name is Jared.
1: And my name is Al.
0: And you are listening to the New Leaf Project. Friends, it's been so long, so long since we've hung out. And it's been a while for me, too, in the sense of sitting here in the hostess's, host, hostess's, host's chair. Mm -hmm. Mm-hmm. And I can't even speak. That's how long it's been. Um. And before we get to today's episode, which we are very excited about because this is a thing that's near and dear to our hearts, and it happens to be a person who is near and dear to our uh, collective New Leaf Hearts. Elle, you had some things you wanted to tell us about uh, while we have people's attention here.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Thanks for tuning in and hanging out with us before we get into the goods. Just wanted to make you aware of a couple of things coming up in the New Leaf world. Since we are thoroughly online in this joyous year of our Lord 2021, uh, we've been able to create something called the Learning Centre, which is really um, an online community of practice and learning, a relational connection uh, with people from across Canada. um, Every Thursday, 1.30 p.m. Eastern. Just wanted to make you aware that uh, for February, we're actually doing a book club. We're partnering with MC Canada and uh, we're having a conversation about the book unsettling the word biblical experiments in decolonization so that's with steve heinrichs we've got cheryl bear coming from nate's um, sylvia mcadam who's been a part of um, the i don't know more group and conversation so it's going to be a rich and interesting time in february and we'd love for you to come and check that out that's every thursday um, from 1 30 p.m. Eastern until 3 o'clock. And in 2020, for those of you who had the opportunity to participate, we had a soul care retreat for ministry leaders. We partnered with Krista Hesselink from Soul Play, and uh, she did some great work in creating a retreat um, for ministry leaders that's kind of contemplative prayer. You don't do anything, you just kind of come and receive. And we're doing that again this year um, because of the overwhelming success uh, that we had in 2020. So that's coming up on February. February 9th, 1 p.m. Eastern. It's three hours long. You can either tune in live, it's recorded, so you can catch it if that time slot doesn't work for you. But that's coming up, and we just wanted to make you aware of all the ways that you can connect in with us in the next while.
0: We are a busy crowd, and 2020 was, as much as it was a big break from a lot of the regular stuff that we knew how to do, boy, it got busy in a hurry. And I'm excited. It's a lot of good things going on, and this uh, this unsettling the word book club. If you if you haven't had the chance to read this book, it is not a safe book. I'll say that it is not an easy read because we're reading uh, the scriptures together with all kinds of perspectives. And I just but uh, how is that not going to help you as a uh, uh, A missional thinker in Canada how's that not going to help you to read the Bible with your neighbors and that's exactly what it's a chance to do so I'm really excited and I hope a lot of people uh, join us for that so L podcast business now we have somebody uh, on the podcast that you and I have known for a good long time we'll get into that in just a little bit but uh, who are we who are we talking to today
1: Well, I got the privilege to sit down and have a conversation with Aaron Gerard. Um, He is the founding and current pastor of Ancaster Village Church in Ancaster. And he wrote a book, a really great book called Quit Pastoring Your Church. The story of a small church making Jesus their pastor. And what was special about it is that it was published by New Leaf Press.
0: I know, right?
1: We did a thing
0: we did a thing Aaron and mostly
1: mostly he did didn't. the thing yeah
0: we published a book that wasn't written by me and that is super awesome and i am so proud of aaron i'm proud of him because and this is something you and i have noticed this is near and dear to our hearts isn't it uh canadians this is a message to you please Please stop pretending there's nothing going on in your church, in your city. Please stop pretending that that you have nothing to contribute to the global church, let alone just the Canadian church. Uh, This is something we notice about Canadians all the time. They have this amazing stories. there's, There's incredible things going on, and they don't think anything of it. And so one of our deep desires is to amplify the Canadian voices, to get people to write down what's happening. And uh, Aaron, uh, he, he joined uh, the New Leaf crowd probably before we even had a website, I think. Um, he has been part of this thing that we do on a regular basis called the Church Plant Design Shop. So first, he was a student at it. Uh, And he used our church plant design shop uh, handout, our workbook as sort of the guidebook to planning a church. And uh, because he was such a fan of, of what we were about, he eventually became one of our instructors and he started teaching this class called Jesus as pastor. It was one of the final sessions of the design shop. And I'm telling you, it was a powerful story. Uh, you, are, Without fail, you could feel the spirit move in the room. You could feel something going on at a spiritual level every time he told this story. And uh, it took a little bit of nudging. It took a little bit of convincing, as with most Canadians. But eventually, Aaron wrote a book about this, about some of the story that he had to tell. He told the simple. Very wholesome. Very helpful story. Of getting um, Ancaster Village Church started. The things that happened to him as a person. The things that happened to him as a leader. The things he learned along the way. And I'm telling you guys. This isn't. It's not just because we publish it. And it's not just because Aaron is a good friend of ours. And we love Aaron. It is because Aaron has something he has offered us vulnerability. He has offered us truth. And this is this book is good. It is it is good. And I hope a lot of you will go out after this podcast, pick it up, and read it. Because I think you'll get a lot out of it. So that's what we're on about this year, right, Al? We've got other books in the works. And neither you nor I have written any of these books this is true these are all canadian leaders talking about our country talking about ministry here talking about what it takes what it doesn't take what it success failures sharing all the stuff and i'm really excited about what we're going to be uh bringing uh bringing to the public this year so Let's give this uh, interview a listen. You did a great job again, L. This is a great interview. And uh, we're really excited to have Aaron Gerard on the podcast talking about quit pastoring your church. So give it a listen.
1: Well, hello, everybody. I am sitting here, not in person, but online with the one, the only Aaron Gerard okay. talking about his new book that he just wrote, Hot Off the New Leaf Press. I'm holding it in my hand. I'm flipping its pages, all the words. Quit pastoring your church. Story of a small church making Jesus their pastor. Hello, Aaron. Welcome to the New Leaf podcast.
2: Hi, Elle. Thanks for having me.
1: We're thrilled that you're here with us today.
2: It's good to be here. (laughs) That's good.
1: uh we are here to talk about this book because number one it's a fantastic book number two you're a fantastic person and number three new leaf printed it and published it
2: all right that sounds good let's wrap it up so that yeah so go get your i think you said everything that needs to be said right there
1: go get your copy now on amazon yeah um so for those who don't know you uh tell us a little bit about yourself and uh where you're located and what you're up to
2: Yeah, so I am in Ancaster, which is a part of the greater city of Hamilton here in southern Ontario. And uh, my wife and I, and at the time two kids, moved here, actually it's almost exactly nine years ago now, and uh, with this dream of planting a church in this community, really having no idea what it was going to look like, uh, well maybe we had a couple ideas, but but it was pretty open-ended, I'd never done anything like this before. And uh, so it was an adventure. And honestly, that's, uh, you know, the book kind of follows quite a bit of that story. Um, Before that, I uh, just finished up a master's degree. And before that, I was pastoring in a a traditional Christian Missionary Alliance church for uh, about seven years. And before that, I had done the very Christian Missionary Alliance thing of finding my beautiful wife at Canadian Bible College in Regina, Saskatchewan, and growing up a CMA kid in, in many, many ways. Um, and so, you know, I, in, in many ways, I've, I've kind of lived the typical Christian Missionary Alliance kid story. Dad is a pastor. Mom was always a ministry pastor for several years as well. Um, yeah, so that's a bit about me.
1: I've had the pleasure of meeting your mother, and she's a very lovely woman.
2: Really? I like her too.
1: Oh, yeah. I didn't know nice, that. She's a nice lady. Oh. I met her uh at a uh Christian and Missionary Alliance event in Calgary. So oh. it made sense that we met there.
2: I see. Was she uh was she talking about prostitution by any chance?
1: Uh no not personally to me, uh, but perhaps she was <laughs> uh having a conversation. That's uh, kind of
2: it's kind of her shtick is uh working with uh, women who've been prostituted. So I'm Got not it. anyway, we'll probably edit this part out. I'm not suggesting that you no, I... be one of those women.
1: I'm, I'm quite guess- happy to keep quite happy to keep that in
2: actually. I'm just that saying, just saying, that's kind of it's her wheelhouse. That's where she works. So I got
1: maybe, it. Yes, she was mostly that. talking about how much she loved you. So
2: oh, all right, well, I'm being serious. I didn't know she traveled around doing that, but <laughs> that's good. also a side gig you weren't aware of <laughs> that your mom has. Yeah,
1: that's great. I th- thanks that helps people place uh where where you're at and and what you're doing. So does that mean that your church plant is nine years along then?
2: Uh I guess it does yeah we uh we hit the ground running um yeah so we're 9 years it's hard to believe I don't know maybe it is in some ways it feels like a lifetime in other ways it feels like we just started yesterday but uh but it's been good it's been a good 9 years and uh, I still can't imagine doing anything else going anywhere else I have I really do mean this I have the greatest job like I love what I get to do so it's pretty great
1: I know you outlined some of this in the book, but tell us a little bit about the early days of your church plant and maybe a little bit about the early days um, for you as well, as you guys were starting this, this new plant.
2: Well, I, um, I definitely came to Ancaster with a, uh, it was a pretty wild story how we got here, actually. should probably do another podcast on that someday, but uh, it, you know, it was one of those stories that was filled with um, just lots of, crazy God kind of stuff happening and in helping us land here we never saw this coming this wasn't a part of the plan um, but how it all kind of unfolded and came together and it took it took a while for that to happen but it was a pretty uh, yeah it was it was kind of a wild uh, series of events that got us here but we got here and I um, having just finished a degree and fancying myself a fairly well-read Um, smart kind of guy my it you know feels kind of weird saying that but honestly I kind of rolled into Ancaster uh, feeling that way about myself and feeling like it was a pretty good fit because Ancaster is a it's a white collar town it's uh, it's home to doctors and lawyers and lots of professors from McMaster and uh, it's it's just that kind of place and so I thought I, you know i i was agreeing with what i thought god was trying to set up here let's put a smart guy in a town full of smart people and this will work fantastically and so we got here spent about a year doing homework on uh, on the community and what our church was going to look like and putting together a, a a lead team and and all the kind of things that i was learning to do in the early days of a church plant uh, and then it all came crashing down and i learned quite quickly that i wasn't that smart and i learned uh, that I had some, uh, some things that needed to get chipped away at and, uh, needed to kind of come to the end of myself in many ways. That was a terrible, terrible time. Um, not fun, not enjoyable at all, but in many ways, you know, kind of meeting Jesus in a, in a real way for the first time in my life and, And for the first time in my life i think having a real testimony of jesus presence and uh, how that was going to look in my own life how it was going to look for our church and so the reconstruction of aaron began and it just so happened that we were putting a church together at the same time which was uh, a unique uh, and good place for all of that to happen um And that's, that's kind of the story that the book, that the book follows.
1: What made you decide that you
2: were going to write a book? Uh, Yeah, well, it's probably a couple things. So after I started to feel better, and by that, I mean, you know, after my life kind of fell apart, different things that were happening uh, that I talk about in the book, and uh, just in my own personal space, going through a, a, you know, severe time of anxiety and depression, and, you know, through counseling and doctor's appointments and getting medication and getting myself healthy again. On the other side of that, uh, there were all of these stories that had taken place in the midst of this dark period in my life. And Honestly, I started to write them down at first because I just didn't want to lose them. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, like I said, they were they were coming out of this place where I really felt Jesus had met me and had done some pretty bizarre things in my life and and given me these stories that, you know, in many ways, growing up in the church, you always hear the people show up, the missionaries show up. Ah, oh, I was attacked by an alligator one day and an angel came and saved me from the alligator and they always had these crazy stories and stuff like that and and i kind of felt a bit like that like i i have some of these crazy stories now and i don't want to lose them uh in the back of my mind i thought these are the kind of stories i would like my kids to know someday i would like uh uh, almost like a memoir for our church because so much of it was tied to the early days of putting ancaster village church together so really, it was just kind of like, a, I, I, it was a journal, more or less, I, I just didn't want to lose it. And then that turned into, and, and I've heard many preachers say this before, and I think those of us who get to preach, know that this is often the best space uh, from which to preach is that you, you start to have this thing build inside of you where you feel like if I just don't say this, if I don't tell this to someone, I'm going to explode. And you don't really even have an audience in mind. You don't really have, like, it's not like you see yourself in front of the masses saying these things or that you're about to change the world or anything like that. But you just know you've been given something to say and you have to say it. And so it was a combination of trying to get these memories down, but also I think because of the reconstruction of so much of my theology and practices of being a pastor and how the church was going to function it was also turning into like this this holy rant inside of me that i i just needed to get out so as that began to take shape and as i began to tell a couple people about what was going on and they encouraged me just to keep to keep pounding out the pages and keep writing it and uh people would get to see little glimpses here and there and before you knew it uh before I knew it, I had enough that was growing in a, in a way that we thought, well, I, we could probably turn this into something that uh, would look like a book. And so, yeah, that's kind of how it happened.
1: What was the process for you internally as you started putting it together? It seemed like it was going to turn into a, a book. How did that feel for you? Was there anything you had to wrestle in becoming a published author?
2: <laughs> yes. Uh, it feels incredibly pretentious and uh, i know other people in the new leaf world jared especially has told me several times that canadians make for bad authors because once we have something to share with the world we're we don't really want to talk about it and we would rather it all just go away and i i can relate to that i um i have no illusions that this is going to turn into something massive, and uh, there's fame on the other side of publishing this book. But at the same time, even the smallness of it, I, I'm not. It feels weird. It just feels odd. It's it's exposing. It's vulnerable. It's um, and I I don't know what I thought was going to happen. I mean, I knew I was writing down some quite intimate stories about myself and sharing some things about myself and and then publishing it so people were going to see it but it's hitting me now that people have read it and are sending me emails and comments just how open I was about my life Uh, so it's a weird feeling Um, yeah it's it's weird I don't I don't have a it's just weird
1: (laughs) do you think that's why more Canadians don't write because of the the vulnerability piece of it the how it's sort of you open yourself up to the good and the bad?
2: Yes, definitely. That's a part of it. Um, and and I, I just think, I mean, we know that celebrity pastor culture is alive in Canada. But not to the extent it is down south. And I think there's enough of us and and not to say that this group doesn't exist in the States either, but there's enough of us, especially in the new leaf world that are just so tired and put off by that smell that, uh, to be, to be asked to do something like this, encouraged to do something like this feels like you're moving in that direction. And it's a direction you don't want to go. Um, I really like the smallness of my ministry. I like I like the you know around here we often talk about the, the that it seems insignificant though we know it's very significant mm-hmm. um but I we like that space and so when you do a project like this you feel like I don't know it just feels a little dirty I don't know I I don't know if that's uh if that's I that's probably a, a Canadian thing I would I would think yeah especially in our world in our circles
1: yeah, I wanted to raise the question because, as you know, New Leaf has been saying for a long time that we wished there was more um, Canadian authors and that there was more Canadian content. But there seems to be a block um, where people just don't seem to want to write or as you're addressing, it feels a little dirty. Like, what if I put this all out there? Whereas when I speak with some of my American colleagues, um, they just don't seem to have that barrier. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's, it is- we like to do it um you know, we get together at conferences or whatever, and we like to do it after just sitting around a table with a couple of mm. drinks. And that's where our books all get shared with each other. And I think that's it again, at least in our circles in Canada, that's, that's where these ideas get shared. And uh, taking it beyond that is generally not something we're, we're very interested in.
1: As you started writing, and you got kind of closer to completion, uh, you started sharing the manuscript around, uh, what was that like for you? And what was some of the early feedback that you received?
2: Oh, it was terrifying, but encouraging. Um, Again, terrifying, because you're letting the world into all your stuff. Um, Terrifying, because you're, you're sharing it with smart people. And you're afraid that, you know, especially when you're kind of for me rebuilding theologies re- rebuilding practices and and a lot of it is critiquing stuff that i knew grew up with and had used in the past so you're submitting all that to people for review and it's it's a little scary because um you know they could come back and say you're out to lunch this is nuts uh, thankfully i didn't get a lot of that uh, but the critique i did get was really helpful i was actually just talking with my wife uh, last night about this that um even just in how people critiqued the way the sto- a story was shared and um how to you know things that you just learn that you don't know unless you've written is how do how do you keep tension in a story how do you how do you um how do you say what you want to say without over saying it or, or or saying it 40 different ways when you only need to say it one way um so there was it, it was it was fun um it was a lot of work. It was tiring, uh, scary, like I said, but, you know, really when I look back now, it was, it was fun and encouraging because I just kept expecting people to say, okay, Aaron, I think this is just for you. Um, like, we're glad that you're doing this, but you can leave it to your children as an heirloom someday. Uh, I, I honestly thought that was going to be the response. And I don't know if maybe it's just another Canadian thing. Everybody kept saying, no, it's great. You should keep doing it. Uh, but I'd, I listened to them. So really, if this is a terrible book, it's all of those people's fault for encouraging me to continue on.
1: Yeah. we'll we'll pass the blame on to others. I like yeah. that. Also yeah. a very Canadian thing to do. I also think. very Canadian. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> um, so from all the stories that you've written in the book, um, what's one of the standout stories that uh, looking back, um, you're glad you put in there.
2: Uh, well, when we did the cover design, uh, it's actually a friend of mine, his name's Luke, who's the guy on the front, and uh yeah Regan Newdorf, the guy that helped us and and shaped it all and kind of came up with the creative ideas behind it based on the title. obviously, we were going for this idea of somebody quitting, you know packing up their stuff, filling up the cardboard box and and walking out of the room and so uh being the creative guy that he is, he wanted the box filled with images that would reflect stories from inside the book so sometimes uh, I've several times I've had people pick up the book and then say to me why why the rainbow why the tulips like what's what's that all about and you can imagine what they think perhaps why the rainbow is there and uh and I say to them well actually the rainbow is is reflective of an an actual story about a rainbow in the book and you know when you ask that question which stories in there i don't know if they mean the most to me or if i'm just i'm the most excited to share those stories it's definitely kind of it's the it's those crazy stories of how jesus showed up in in ways that again as a as a good evangelical boy i believe on paper he's quite capable of the the crazy stuff um but my my cynical leaning to life in general uh makes makes it hard to believe that that stuff will really happen And so that rainbow, the tulips all on the front there, those are those are part of stories where where Jesus did some miraculous things in my life. And uh, and they were very personal stories. Um, They're, you know, they're stories that I've actually my my oldest kids 13 now and I've asked him to read the stories because they happened when he was a little kid and Mm. and he's a part of them and uh, and I want him to know even how God used him in the midst of those stories so. Yeah, I don't want to give them away, but yeah, the rainbow, the tulips, they're all, they're all part of, uh, uh, yeah, uh, Jesus' pursuit of me and uh, his love for me and my family, and uh, so I was, I'm, I'm, those are probably the stories that mean the most to me, for sure.
1: So, since you quit pastoring your church, but you still technically pastor a church. Yeah. uh, What's it been like for your church plant to read the book and to hear stories about about them and see see your life and community together in that book. How's that been for them?
2: Well, first, I'll address the title. The funny thing is I've seen through social media um, kind of one or two people removed. Somebody shares the book and says, oh, this looks interesting. And then this argument takes place on the thread below it about the title of the book and how it's terrible because we should never quit pastoring our church and Jesus called us to be pastors and the proof texts start flying about how the word pastor is used in a good way in the church. And I always remind people um, exactly what you just said, that if they turn the book over and read my bio, it does mention that I am the pastor of Ancaster Village Church. So there is a intentional tension being uh, created there with the title. So uh, you are correct. I, While I have, quote unquote, quit pastoring my church, I, uh, I am still the pastor of a church Um, The most vulnerable I feel about this publication is in front of the people of our church, because I think I understand a little bit why every author who writes about their own story that includes real people, those real people can provide the greatest critique because they lived through it Mm. and it's really easy to read any book about somebody else's ministry and then create this. Um, I don't know, puffed up's not the right word, but this like fake version of what's ap- actually happening. Uh, and so when you write a book about your church and then the people in your church read it, then they're the ones that can go, really? I don't think it's actually like that. Or, <laughs> Aaron this is all just in your head this is this is not the way we actually function so thankfully as people in our church have read it uh what I've actually seen um and felt and experienced is just this sigh of yeah that's us um the good bad the ugly the in between that it's us and uh and again you know if nobody reads this but if it stands as a Uh, even a sort of historical document for our church that's a good thing and uh and and our people have enjoyed kind of being a part of this process
1: in the beginning of the book you mention about uh, the design shop so the new leaf design shop and uh, the church planters that you get to interact with there since you're a major part of the teaching team um why do you think it's still important for people to be planting churches in our current context in canada
2: Oh yeah, Um, well, the easy answer is because, you know, I wanna choose my language carefully here. Um, We are not the center of attention in this country, haven't been for a long time. And yet we still feel like the gospel is a good thing. And that the gospel is needed uh, in our communities, with our friends, with the people we work with, that the good news of Jesus matters. And yet, as we look around at the churches that have, you know, most of the churches, uh, that have been around for the last century, um, they're finding it difficult to communicate that, uh, to their communities and no church lasts forever. None of Paul's churches are still around, uh, And we hold Paul in pretty high regard, but it seems that he couldn't even make a church that would last forever. And so it's not a bad thing that we try new things and that we experiment and that we risk and that a whole lot of these experiments won't last longer than five years, 10 years, 15, if they're lucky. Like I look at our church, we've been around for nine years now and go, this this is a bit of an anomaly, actually, Mm -hmm. that we've made it this far. Um, but every year of trying, every month of trying is worth it because we are trying to figure out how does the gospel make sense to the people we love and the people we hang out with and the communities where God's placed us. Uh, so I love people that are willing to, to try uh, and experiment and risk and come up with crazy ideas that a lot of them won't work. And I love being in a, in a room where we all talk about those crazy ideas and where we laugh at each other and we'll, where we point at someone and say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Or that's the greatest idea that will never work. Um, or "Or that's, I don't understand why that worked, but it seems to have worked. Um, I love being with people who are who are trying to help move into where Jesus is in our community and expose it and, and uh expose his love and his story in in new and creative ways so the design shop has always been a place for that to thrive um, for those discussions to thrive for people to ask questions where it's safe about what we can try what we can do and then to be supported and encouraged to to risk and and to try it so love those space love those people um yeah
1: that's why we do what we do yeah at least at new leaf
2: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Try to keep the risking and the innovative going all across Canada for sure. When, um, when I read the book, um, I was struck by the fact that it was more than just a story for church planters. It certainly had a lot to do with your church plan, but this is almost like a manifesto to good pastoring maybe, um, uh, in a way. And so if, if someone's considering picking up the book who maybe is not uh, in leadership of a church plant, um, What would you say to them how in what ways would you encourage them to to read the book
2: so I've had um, yeah like to me obviously because it's written from my perspective it has I've always thought of it as a that it would make the most sense to somebody planting a church that said uh, my good friend Lee Beach who wrote the foreword um, after he read it he 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 went along more The lines that you're asking to say that actually this this might make sense to a lot of pastors Uh, and and I agree that was probably part of the that thing that I felt was inside of me that I had to get out or it would explode was. So much of my critique and what I wrote is based on my years of experience in a more traditional church and certainly my my Bible school upbringing uh, that was shaped and designed for a traditional church so. Absolutely, I think there's stuff in here for pastors of any kind of church. But what I what I will say is that trying to recon trying to do a lot of this stuff in a traditional church that's established, has established structure, uh governance models, all those kinds of things, uh, it's not gonna be easy. It'll be challenging, it'll be an uphill battle. Um one of the stories that I've always felt or or run into as i've talked to pastors of traditional churches for years is when i talk about the stuff that i put in the book i always get the same response that sounds like the ideal that sounds great followed quickly by but it will never work Hmm. and that's always driven me absolutely batty um i like i i completely understand what they're saying uh the cost of trying some of this stuff in more traditional churches is a high cost a lot of work, a lot of blood, sweat and tears, um, but I think it's about pursuing the ideal and and if this book can be encourage pastors in traditional churches to try and risk in some of these ways, then I. I would be honored to be a part of that, and I think it would be a good thing for the church in our country to wrestle with some of this stuff.
1: So do you have another book in the in the works do you, th- <laughs> do you think you've got another book in you or, or are you a one and done author
2: I have no plans right now um I feel like now that this is done well it's not done I mean I'm still doing stuff like this but now that the the bulk of the work is done it, I feel like I did when I finished my master's degree which was never again uh but then I felt like that after my undergrad degree too and then I went back so who knows but at this point, on this day out, uh, there is no second book planned. Though I will point out that uh, if you do search up the book on Amazon, uh, for a lot of people, the book that it says you would also like this book is called The Pastor Who Quit His Church, and it's a steamy romance novel. Uh, so people have assumed that that's already my sequel to this one. It's quite a racy cover, actually, but uh, I, I am not the author of that book though our titles are similar the cover is not similar I will I will say that
1: missed that recommendation So I don't know maybe yeah you know
2: sometimes Amazon packages things like it says Mm -hmm. people who bought this also also should get this maybe you do want to buy both you know you get a little bored of mine you go to the steamy romance novel you go back and forth maybe it works together I don't know
1: yeah let us know audience if anyone uh, does that (laughs) I'd love to know how that was how that went for you
2: (laughs) yeah is not my wife on the cover of that one yeah just, yeah just to clarify
1: you have a section at the beginning of the book where you talk about um, this m- moment that we we love to poke fun at Jared about um this this Jesus wins moment um but in all honesty uh you know there is something in that moment I missed that exciting moment uh, I'm sad that I wasn't in the room that day. But there is some nugget of truth in that as we try to do all this work to start churches, to lead churches well, to just exist as Jesus followers in this uh, current cultural moment that we find ourselves in, and there is a bit of a hope that still resides <laughs> when you do believe in the end, even if none of it works, that Jesus Jesus wins. Um, has that been a sustaining thing for you in your ministry? Um, as you've continued to pastor and as you planted?
2: Oh, yeah. I think um, the fact that Jesus wins, that there is a triumphant end to, well, that uh, end isn't even the right word, but a triumphant new beginning to all of this uh, redefines how you even think about failure and risk. And, you know, this is, I don't think this is going to come to news to a lot of our listeners here but um redefining success is always about understanding faithfulness and that even in those failures if that's what we want to call them even in the risks that didn't pan out or the the church plants that only lasted a year or two or whatever though that was never an issue of success or failure it was always an issue of being obedient it was always an issue of of faithfulness of feeling like jesus has said aaron i'd like you to do this um, Pope Benedict once said, uh, if our savior ends up on the cross, then the very definition of success and failure is challenged hmm. that, you know, he, he wins by doing the very thing that is counter to everything we once thought was going to be victorious. Uh, and it, that has to redefine every, every one of our little things that we try. Uh, that when we're walking in tune with the Spirit, as the Spirit says, I'd like you to go in this direction. Well, we go in that direction. And um, it may not work out for, you know, whatever metric that we're using. But, uh, but we were faithful and we were obedient. Especially when we, can, when we can discern that together in communities like New Leaf. And where we're, you know, I think that's one of the driving things at New Leaf that we do is we keep looking at each other and saying, you're not crazy. Jesus is asking you to do this and we're going to encourage and support you as best we can, no matter how this shakes out. And uh, yeah, that, that that's, that's what that whole story that I share about Jared was really about, that despite all the challenges, all the reasons why none of this is going to work, all of the reasons why trying to do church in the year 2021 in Canada is a hard, hard task that rarely ends with like a happy ending story. It's worth it because the spirit is walking with us, saying, "I'm about redemption, and we're gonna try some stuff." Um, so it's that's what makes it fun. That's that's what makes it that's what makes us all keep saying, "Let's let's just keep going."
1: Speaking of encouraging one another, if there was someone today that's listening that is kind of feeling the way that you described at the beginning, that you had this thing inside of you that you just had to get out. Um, if there's someone who's listening, who's feeling a little prompt and nudge to begin the writing process, how would you encourage them?
2: Well, I mean, there's certainly this great little website, newleafnetwork.ca, which I believe now has a NewLeaf Press uh, portal part of the website.
1: We're very uh, fancy
2: now very fancy now yeah and i think if i remember correctly at the bottom of that page it says hey if you're a canadian author and you have an idea that's bubbling inside of you you should let us know uh i would say go for it i you know i think i've always said this and i'm not uh, i'm not on the clock with new leaf new leaf doesn't pay me for any of this uh i'm just a proud supporter
1: depending on what you say today we may start paying you well yeah, yeah maybe yeah,
2: yeah. um you know, I, I don't think this is not to disparage anybody else, but I don't think there's a better um, group of people in this country that that have their finger on the pulse of what's going on in this country in terms of trying to uh, risk with new church planting initiatives, new things, uh, with a discussion surrounding all that stuff uh, than New Leaf. I think New Leaf is is really the place where where. Yeah, just where so much of that discussion is taking place. So, I mean, if you're a Canadian author and you're writing about the church and you're writing about culture and you're writing about how those two things are colliding, um, then I think I think the leaf is a great place to to try and uh, present your idea and and possibly do some work.
1: If someone is looking to purchase your book, where's the best place for them to get it?
2: Well, um, unfortunately, or if, I don't know if that's the, that, maybe that's not the right word, but at the moment uh, it is in support of Jeff Bezos only. Uh, mm. You'll mm-hmm. have to visit Amazon to get it. Uh, it will be on Chapters Indigo, uh, I'm told, shortly. And unfortunately, because of the pandemic, that has changed our, uh, our printing plans for just having some printed copies on hand. Obviously, we're not running any in-person events these days, so moving that stock uh, would be a little challenging. Mm-hmm. But we are still trying to get a small order done uh, certainly for people that would be in the southern ontario area and just want to contact me and uh, and i can figure out delivery and stuff like that so amazon um or you can just go right to the new leaf uh website where there's a a page dedicated to the book and it'll jump you to different places that you can pick it up Uh, or you can contact me directly i'm at gmail so just take a guess and it'll probably get to me
1: (laughs) Erin, thank you for your time today and sharing about the book, but thank you for writing a book. Uh, I think it matters. It matters that you shared your story. It matters that you uh, shared so vulnerably about your struggles and about um, how you guys have continued to be faithful in Ancaster. So I I'm, thank you for doing it. I, I know that it's a, a vulnerable, weird maybe feeling, but it matters. And I hope that your book can serve as a, as an encouragement to people who are pastoring, but also as an encouragement to people who are considering writing. Um, we are we are a broken record at New Leaf about this, but I really do think it matters that, you know, the bookshelf behind me is just chocked full of American books and uh, they're good American books, um, but uh, I would really love to see my bookshelf uh, filled up more with stories of, of Canadians. So thank you for risking and thank you for writing and thank you for letting us publish it. Uh, it was a joy.
0: So thank you.
2: Thank you, Al. It's great to be here. All right,
0: everybody. That was Aaron Gerard and our very own L Pike talking about his new book, talking about the process of writing his new book, Quit Pastoring Your Church. Now, L, you were there. You did I was. the interview. You've read the book. I have. Tell me your thoughts. Tell me what's on your mind. Tell me what you're thinking about.
1: Well, I really appreciated Aaron's like honesty and vulnerability in the book and also in the interview, just sharing the process um, of what it's like to actually write a book. I think part of the reason I was happy that he shared that and uncovered it is because I think in our pursuit to ask people to write, um, there's more than just saying yes, then there's kind of this whole process that comes after it. And so I loved how he shared um, the awkwardness of taking the book back to his church, because that's such a main central player in the story. Um, And what that is like to have your church then read uh, the book uh, where you share that um, about them, you're sharing the story of them. And um, I thought that was really cool the way he shared that and was honest about the weird struggle and the tension that exists when you put it out in the world. Um, The other thing that I've been telling people about the book is like, if you were to put, you know, insert famous evangelical leadership guru name here (laughs) on the bottom of this book, like this would sell really well. Like there is, it's part memoir, but there's also, as I'm flipping through it here, there's also like, he's got some really helpful guiding principles of how to do consensus building and make decisions as a leadership team and trying to strive for unity. He's got like, He's got some really meaty stuff in here and so I'm certainly biased but I legitimately think this is a helpful book especially knowing the Canadian context knowing uh what may be ahead of us in the coming year in 2021 so I just he did a great job and kudos to him for stepping out for putting up his hand for having something to say doing the work to create it but it's it's such a great book and I'm I am proud of him as you are but Um, One of my favorite parts of the book, which maybe isn't a surprise to our listeners if they've read it, um, is, you know, the story that he shares so generously about you at the beginning. Um, So how how did that feel to have your one of your proudest moments uh, alive in the pages of this book forever?
0: And by proudest moments, you mean a deeply vulnerable moment for me as a leader <laughs> and uh, a solid dose of public humiliation. Yeah. Yeah. Well, thanks for bringing that up. I'm, I'm really glad we get a chance to, to dig around in here a little bit more, but yes, I, um, uh, in the early days of new leaf before it was a thing before it was really even like, you weren't even a full part of the, picture at that point entirely you were we were circling around the idea but but um i had this experience and the experience was this um i got into church planting in the late 90s um that's why my church had a the in front of the title of its name Mm. um and uh uh i had a whole bunch of friends that came along with me in planting their church, so planting churches all across Canada. And I really had this deep sense and hope that um, some of what we were on to was going to change the church and that these would be the folks that make the trip with me. And one by one, they got picked off. Either through um, something personal in their life, or their church plant project didn't quite work out the way they had imagined. And I was really feeling alone. And it was a deep, guttural, soul mourning for me. That one, things did not turn out the way I imagined they would turn out. Two... I thought we actually were onto something that would help Canada. And because of that, I thought it should have worked better than it did. Um, These really were good people and I enjoyed their company and I was just sad. And, and, And to make it worse, I was the leader at that particular point. And so I'll tell this story maybe in a bit more depth in some other venues, but I went down to the Missio Alliance uh, conference in the U S and I had people pray for me, lay hands on me and pray for me. And something huge happened in my heart and in my life. And it was a release. It was a release from guilt. It was a release from shame. It was even a release from, from the sadness that I have about, why is the church failing at Can- in Canada? And a lot of us have our theories. And our theories are the church needs to do this, the church needs to do that. Or if the church would only recover this part of itself or that part of itself, then we would win. And uh, the truth is, uh, I was under those impressions and illusions too. And the church uh, still continues to slide. It's slid since the day of that story. And so here's what happens. I come back from that and God has released me and sent me back to Canada with these words ringing in my ears that there is more going on underneath the surface than you know. There's more hope in the Canadian story than you know. I went to the conference hopeless. I came home full of hope. And embarrassingly, I was like Doc Brown In Back to the Future, I was Marty, like I was manic, I was a maniac, and I foisted myself on poor Kevin Makins and his church, and I bothered a lot of people at his church, and then uh, Aaron is just down the road, and he meets just a few hours after Kevin, so then when I was done with Kevin, I went and visited Aaron and I was like, We gotta do something. It's the future of the Canadian church. And we gotta get everybody together. We gotta talk and we gotta like look after each other. We gotta do something. And then basically the following weekend, Aaron made all the arrangements. All of my Hamilton friends had pity on me and got everybody together. And basically I just told a very sad story uh about how it's all coming apart. And it was One part, a personal confession, but I think a lot of people in the room that day needed someone to admit the truth. And then, yes, uh, I did use a a common uh, cuss word at the end of it. Um, I don't swear in my public uh, communications in in general. I think it's rude. I think it's uh, not a good... Uh, way to communicate. But um, sometimes, L, swear words, are deeply guttural, meaningful communications of a genuine emotion. And so, while I'm not proud of my word choice, uh, I am proud that I was vulnerable and I told the truth. And that moment resonated. It echoed. Um, and, and it was, uh, uh, it was, I know I wasn't the only one that it was resonating with because Aaron adds it to the introduction to his book, that experience of being on the receiving end of Doc Brown, Jared Siebert, uh, coming back and feeling like there might be hope, uh, not a goofy, will always win hope, but a Surrender to Jesus. Hope, and that's what I love about this book, is that Aaron, um, he treated my vulnerability with respect. He treated his own story and his own vulnerability, and uh, I think that's one of the things the Canadian church can bring to the to the broader conversation. A lot of people like to pretend that Christianity is just one long victory march, and as Leonard Cohen. Is famous for saying it's sometimes it's also a cold and a broken hallelujah and so i think that's what i think about this book that's why i think it's so generous and important is because darren uh, is because aaron dares to tell the truth and i i want to encourage more canadians to do that i dare you to tell the truth uh and you never know what's going to result and i think this book is going to i think it's going to do well um but beyond just uh sort of public response i think it's going to be transformative and that's the thing i'm really excited about yes now uh i don't know with the with the production schedule we have are we're probably not going to have this podcast out before Aaron's big book party are we
1: maybe not maybe not but if we do there is a book party, a book party.
0: That's not yeah, a word. Book release.
1: I guess it's a book a release is, is better. Yes, we are having, if this makes it out in time, uh, January twenty eighth. So that's Thursday, January twenty eighth. We're having um, a virtual launch party. So if it were normal times, we would be hanging out and having an in person event. Uh, where we would clink glasses and shake hands and congratulate Aaron. Uh, but since we can't do that, um, we're going to be doing a virtual book launch. So um, I'll be there. Jared will be there. Um, Lee Beach is coming as well from MacDiv to share some thoughts. And of course, the man of the hour, Aaron, will be there as well.
0: There to read a little bit. Mm-hmm. And, um, if you meet Aaron, you know that he's kind of a cantankerous, grumperous, uh, type person, uh, and that's near and dear to my heart. I love grumpy people in the
1: best possible way, though.
0: In, in and in some of the worst possible ways. Let's face it. It's Aaron. <laughs> um, but yes, and uh, and to to watch Aaron uh, be so sheepish and apologetic that he even wrote a book in the first place is probably one of God's greatest gifts to me so far, <laughs> apart from my marriage, the birth of my kids.
1: Yeah, it is he very is sweet. So,
0: he is so ashamed of himself for having written a book <laughs> and put into words something that God quintessentially so given him.
1: Yeah, quintessential Canadian.
0: Oh my goodness, it's it's so hilarious. And if 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 you like uncomfortable, um, you know, just ask Aaron lots of questions about what it feels like to be an author. And the sell the seller of uh, it was it was almost it was several days on the number one list for Amazon for for Christian books, which I was very impressed with. He had a very good opening week. He did um, with this book.
1: And we didn't even buy them. Like other people bought them, yeah, we didn't it even. Was
0: like you, me, and my mom? No. No. Other people. people we don't even know.
1: No maybe Aaron's mom. I don't know Maybe, but I'm just, I'm, I'm hoping that lots of people are able to read it and love it and appreciate it and see it as transformative as much as we do. So it was, it was great to have Aaron do this with us and great to be able to have him on the podcast to share about his book and to make him feel very awkward as he described the process. We're happy to make people feel awkward. If nothing, if nothing less.
0: That's right. And if you need us to help you feel awkward, Mm -hmm. Uh, we would like to encourage you to write a book too. Maybe God's communicating something to you. Um, maybe God is, is inspiring you. Maybe you've had a a profound transformative experience in your ministry. We're interested in hearing, uh, ideas for books. Uh, we're interested in people telling the truth. So Mm -hmm. if you've got a book in you out there, friends, Uh, do us all a favor, start writing it. And uh, uh, there's something beautiful about the process of writing, so that won't be a waste, regardless of whether it ever gets published. But if you've got something, uh, we'd love to hear from you. So, Al, if people want to connect in with the New Leaf Network, if they want to take this story deeper, uh, how do they stay connected with us?
1: on our brand new website newleafnetwork.ca where we've worked very hard to make sense of what this hot mess is. So I hope that you uh, can navigate the website a little better than our previous. So um, the website's got lots of information, some of the events that we've got coming up, some of the projects we've got on the go. You can check out the Writing Collective, uh, which is um, writers from across Canada that are reflecting on the Canadian soul um, and some more information there about the New Leaf Press. So if you would like to let us know that you're working on a book, that you've decided to do that and, and you've got an idea, contact us, let us know, you can find out lots of information on the website um, but also just to let you know that we have are still continuing to meet every week um, through the learning center on Thursdays and then we also have just hangout time where we hang out online we call that our cafe time uh, Wednesdays um, 1 p.m eastern to 3 p.m and Friday 1 p.m eastern to 3 p.m so we just hang out with people from across the country say hi work on your sermon say hello yep. it's been uh that's been the Unexpected blessing of our current circumstances is the way that we've been able to utilize online connections to really make some um, interesting things happen. So check us out. We'd love to have you come hang out.
0: Yeah. We've schemed some pretty cool ideas there. So friends come join us, come hang out with us. We love being with you and uh, we're praying for you and we're, we're hoping the best for you out there in pandemic land. Uh, Get out there as soon as you can. Get vaccinated. Um, let's uh, let's kick this virus's butt, um, and uh, let's let's do everything we can to make sure that we can all hang out face to face, person to person, real real soon.
1: Hug to hug,
0: hug to hug. Well, maybe I'll look at you, but hell, hell, you'll be.
1: I'll hug you. Maybe longer than you want me to. I'm sorry. It will be
0: uncomfortable for a lot of you. (laughs) But it'll be sincere. (laughs) But it will be sincere. Okay, friends. Until next time. See you later. And have a good one.
1: Bye, friends.